So it was like this. There was a wedding. It's kind of like the wedding outside. And there are a whole lot of guests that came early. They're hanging out. They're waiting. And like the groom sometimes does, he shows up late. He's delayed. And so these ten young women are dispatched to kind of watch out for the groom. And it's getting late. And so they take for themselves ten lamps with them. And so as the sun goes down and it gets darker, they they turn on their lamps and they're talking, they're joking around, they're anticipating the celebration of of the wedding and all the the fun that they're going to have, the party. Groom doesn't show up. And so they they start to get a little bit tired. This has been a long day, a lot of preparation. They start getting drowsy. And they go to sleep. And then all of a sudden, there's someone screams out, The groom, he's coming! And everybody scrambles, and they're like getting their lamps ready, and they're... And five of these young ladies realize... They forgot to bring extra fuel for their lamps. Their batteries are running low on these things. And, and they're starting to grow really dim. And so these five, they're like, hey, anybody else have some batteries? Anybody bring some extra batteries, some rechargeable ones? Or, yep, can I just plug in real fast? Just, just real quick, I just need a little bit of juice. And the five who had the fuel, had the juice, who were ready and prepared, they're like, we, we don't have any extra. We can't share this with you. Go, go to the store, go get some more. It's about midnight at this point. And so as these five, as their lamps turn off, the batteries run out. And they're out scrounging around trying to get prepared. The groom comes. He actually shows up. And these five and the rest, they swoop into the party hall. The, the doors are shut. The party starts. And then Jesus says this. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This morning I want to share with you something that really hit me as I was reading through Scripture about five, six months ago. And I haven't been able to shake it since then. And it's become a recurring message. And it's two phrases. Stay awake and be on guard. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence as a body. We worship you. We glorify you. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience to the Father to become man, to live a perfect life, to die on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God. We thank you for your resurrection, that you sit enthroned in power. And I pray as we read your words uh, today, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would come 
to open up our hearts and minds, illuminate your scriptures so that we would be able to understand, and then help us to have, uh, give us the, the ability, the power uh, to act on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with me, uh, turn to Mark chapter 13. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's in the temple. He's been teaching. He's just coming out of the temple. And the disciples are walking out and there's these huge, massive stones. Okay? And the disciples just turn over to Jesus and like, hey, we're going we're gonna to strike up a conversation, say something cool. Jesus, look at these stones. They're really incredible, aren't they? Aren't these buildings beautiful? And he says, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay. Jesus again blows the mind of the disciples. Like, what, what are you talking about? They walk on. And then a, a little bit later, four disciples pull Jesus aside. And they're like, Jesus, what, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? And so we get to step into a private conversation of Jesus with four disciples to hear some things that I don't think we talk about a lot. And for me, and I'll share a little bit later, I did not pay attention to until recently. All right, we're going to start in verse 3. Actually, verse 5. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, which at this point on our planet, there's about 38 different armed conflicts, civil wars, and full-out wars going on right now. 38. Don't be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. I think last week, over just the course of one week, I think there were 7,000 registered earthquakes around the world. That's a typical week. There will be famines. Right now on the planet, 950 people, 950 million people live in a hunger or famine situation. It's 14% of the Earth's population. These are but the beginning of the birth pangs. And then here's a phrase I want you to pay attention to. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, don't be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. read a story about that just this past week. 
and the father his child. And the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know, these, these signs that Jesus is pointing out and talking about, and I just mentioned a few statistics about how right now these things are happening. From small things like food, to relationship, to peace and security. We're, we're, my family is absolutely thankful to, to China that they've allowed us to live here for 12 years, and we've had 12 years of peace. We've had 12 years of food. We've had 12 years of housing and clothes. But even those things are threatened and can be threatened all around the world. But it gets worse. Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Here we go again. Your ears should perk up now. But be on guard. I've told you all things beforehand. It gets even better. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Do you feel unstable? Do you feel a little nervous? I don't know if anybody came to this room hungry, because we all probably had breakfast. And we drove on roads and we're sitting on a floor, and, it, and this floor feels stable, doesn't it? And we look at these columns and we're like, oh, those columns, man, they're so strong and thick and holding up this roof. I feel secure and safe in here. And we'll leave... And we'll walk to our cars, we'll walk to the subway, and we'll walk on earth. And man, this earth is thick. It is thick. It is solid. It goes down so deep. I'm so glad that I can put every foot in front of the other and know that this earth will support me and hold me up. 
Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's what freaks me out. I'm a little bit of a fearful guy anyway. But it freaks me out. I see an earthquake, and I think about Beijing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, please. Wait till Wednesday. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. You know, sometimes they say crazy people see the world much more clearly. Because we can tend to put our trust in things that seem and look secure. And almost every day they are. And most likely this building will be here next week. And we get drowsy. And we get distracted. And our fuel starts running low. Because it was like this yesterday. And it was like it today. So tomorrow, the statistics, most likely, it's going to be the same way. Look up in the skies and people predict, oh, the moon's going to go in front of the sun, there's going to be this cool ring of fire, and it happens, and it's it's just there, it's there, and it's going to be there tomorrow, right? Right? Maybe. Maybe. That's what's so destabilizing about this passage. Everything that seems fixed and secure, Jesus says, is going to shake and break and fall down and be exposed for exactly what it is. Untrustworthy. Oh, gee, what in the world? Why is he telling us these things? We just passed through spring. A few weeks ago, outside was dirt and brown and twigs, and now we walk in, there's grass and there's leaves on the trees, right? Listen to what Jesus says, verse 28, if you got your Bible. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I got to confess, I was, I was thinking about not speaking about this this morning. Um, because it's a little bit confusing. Um, there are a whole lot of books written for centuries about these signs. There was a whole fictional series written that kind of tried to imagine what it would be like. There's lots of different ways to, that people interpret this, okay? And, and that, honestly, is what tends to grab our attention. Because it seems pretty interesting. All right? When is this actually going to happen? How is this actually going to happen? Is it going to be literal? Is it, gonna be, is it historical? Is it... Okay? 
And there are so many people that have so many perspectives, and they're all Christians, they all love Jesus, they all follow Jesus. My encouragement to you is, go read their books, learn, pray, study, come to an opinion, have grace with those who have a different opinion. But I think those signs, we get, sometimes we flip it to where it becomes about those signs. And we become more interested in, in, in trying to figure out these signs rather than the point of these signs, which is to say, it's just a bud on a branch to point to the person of Jesus. And that our attitude and our posture is to be like these five, let's crank this one up again, like these five who are prepared, who are ready, who are watching, who are anticipating, who are on guard. Jesus talks about our posture on this earth is to abide in him. Right? Abide in me. It's like a branch is connected into a vine. When it's connected into that vine, that branch can bear fruit. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. That's, that is the general default posture for a life of a person who loves and follows Jesus. But let's do a little thought experiment, okay? First, I have to read this disclaimer. Verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour... No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then Jesus says again, be on guard, keep awake. When I was a little kid, I used to go to sleep and I would play a game. I would play a game with God. I'd actually play a mind game with God. And I don't really suggest playing mind games with God, because... It ends up, his mind's a little bit bigger than, than my mind. But this is how the game would go. And I was a, I was a pre-teen, teen. I would go to sleep and I'd say, all right, Jesus, I think you're coming back now. <laughs> See, I got you, Jesus, because you can't come back now. Because I just said you're going to come back now. And I, you know, I think you're probably going to come back this week. No, you can't come back. See, Jesus, you totally set yourself up. Because there were in, invariably something happening that week that I really wanted to happen. And I didn't want Jesus to come spoil it and ruin it so that I didn't get the chance to do it. And then those things grew. Jesus, I want to go to college. I want to experience what it's like to go to college. So don't come back until I can go to college. And it was like, okay, Jesus, I want to get married. So just come back after I get married, all right? And it just keeps rolling out. It's funny, I was writing a friend in the States. I told him, shared with him what I was going to be sharing about. And he goes, oh, that's great. Is Jesus coming back on Beijing time or Eastern time? Because my son's getting married this weekend. And I'd really like for him to get married. Right? He's joking. But that he would even think that immediately and even joke about it. Shows our general posture towards anticipating the return of Christ. Thanks. It'd kind of be cool. I think it'll be fun. You're a good guy. Just, just delay it a little bit longer so that I can do what I want to do. I got kids now. I'd really love to see my kids grow up and go to college. I, wouldn't it be great, Jesus, if I could see my kids get married? And maybe they, then they could have kids. I, then I could be a grand... So maybe, Jesus, after I become a grandparent, then you can come back. What? What is that? It's 
basically saying, Jesus, I want you, the creator and sustainer of all that is, the one who's going to come back and make everything right. Could you delay all that so that I can take care of my little plants? And I'm going to busy myself about those things and you just hang on. I'll let you know when I'm ready. Let's do a little thought experiment. We can't know. We're not playing a mind game with God. All right. However, what if we could? All right. That's the thought experiment part. What if we could? And what if I told you it was tonight between 745 and 815, because we can't know for sure. So it's about a 45 minute window that he indeed will come back. And somehow all these signs, he's going to work out all those little details and boom, it's going to happen. In this thought experiment, if you really want to go with me on this, what are you thinking about? What are you planning about? What would you do in your final six and a half hours? You see, that is the beauty of being on guard, of staying awake, of eagerly anticipating and watching for the return of Christ. It's because... You find yourself right in this moment looking for and abiding in Christ Jesus. It's not even about the future anymore. It's not even about next week or maybe five years from now or maybe in this generation. It's about this very moment. When I was first taking notes, when I was first reading, I was first thinking about it, I kind of drew a line like, okay, I need to abide in Jesus here right now. And also, I need to anticipate his return. I drew this long line, exposing my own anticipation, right? And as I started thinking about it, it's like, wait a second. If it's imminent, this line shrinks to a point, and it's this moment right here. And what we come to is the truth that we always come back to, that my friend loves to always remind me about. Everything shakes. Everything breaks. Nothing is stable. Absolutely nothing is secure except for one. And so when we see these big signs, it's to remind us of that. So that when we see little signs and endure little things, our response is in Christ, looking for Christ, and He is ordering everything else about our perspective. I had this experience um, a few months ago, day before Thanksgiving. And our oldest daughter, you saw up here, she was, it was winter, she's been wearing a lot of clothes, we didn't notice, but we, but we realized she had gotten incredibly skinny. So skinny, that you could see her ribs and her stomach was distended. Almost looked like she was in a family. We're like, what is going on? And we had noticed she'd been a little bit tired and different things. Took her to the doctor. Doctor thought, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, we'll run some tests, come back later. As we're walking out the door, um... Doctor says, wait, 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 come back here. I know what's going on. I'm like, okay, cool. We got, got a diagnosis. Doctor goes, she's got diabetes. I was like, hmm, I've heard of diabetes, but I'm not sure exactly what diabetes is. And he goes, I, we need to right now get your daughter into the hospital. We need to check her in. I said, well, can we go home? Can I, we won't have any clothes. We don't have any stuff. Let's just run home. Get he, goes, he goes, stop. He goes, right now, this minute. I have got to take her over and put her in the hospital. So urgent 
that he didn't even let the nurses let us pay. But that's a big deal, right? Like, we'll take care of the money later. We've got to get her over there. Now it is urgent, immediate, right now. So, all right, so I grabbed Lathia. We walked over there, and it's like, all right, what's going on? And within a few hours, she just totally crashed. Her blood sugar level was skyrocketing. She was very, very close to a coma. And, uh, you know, just in a snap, in a blink of an eye, her life had completely changed. The life of our family had completely been altered. So it's day one, day two. She's getting tons of pricks. I mean, she probably was getting 20 pricks on her fingers a, a day, bleeding. Her arms were bruised because they were just having to stick stuff into her. She was so frustrated. She's like, I just want to leave the hospital and be done with this. So, well, well, sweetie, I got to tell you, this is day three. So she's come in, back into herself and some consciousness. This, I got to tell you, when you leave the hospital, this isn't going to change. And she just looks at me and she just stops and she's processing that. She's like, so I'm still going to have to prick my finger? Yeah. Am I still going to have to get shots? Yeah. About four times a day. For a few years? No, for your whole life. Unless God heals you or they discover a cure. She just sits there. She stops. She goes, Daddy, can you get me a piece of paper and some pens? I'm like, okay. Some friends have brought us some paper and pens, so I just gave it to her. And, and she just started scribbling, went after it. I went I sat down on the chair and I kind of took a quick nap and doing some reading. About 30, 45 minutes later, she goes, okay, Daddy, here, take a look at this. Let me show it to you. You're not going to be able to read it because it's too small. But this is what she handed to me. I was kind of anticipating something black and dark. This, this, is, this is what she reads. Jesus, Son of God, God our Savior, praise the Lord, love the Lord. Jesus heals the sick. He is slow to anger. He redeems our life from the pit. God is the light of the world. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions. Stars, hearts, bright lights. Would you have written this? In the moment, the exact moment when you realize your life has completely changed, everything that you thought was for sure and steady and stable, you could eat any food, you can go anywhere you want, you you were totally free, just became chained to a blood meter check and insulin and making sure that you have medicine within your hands and making sure you're always carrying around sugar. Is this what you've written? Is this what would have naturally flown out of your heart, into your fingers, through that pen, onto that paper? Praise the Lord! That is one, nine years old, whose complete focus is on one person. And it's not herself. A friend recently asked her and said, Hey, if Jesus healed you today from your diabetes, would you do it? Wouldn't that be cool? And she goes, Well, maybe... But I also know that Jesus gave this to me for a reason. And so I kind of don't want, I want to kind of see what he wants.
be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. If you're leaving Beijing or leaving China in the next few months, could you stand up for a second? Our time of being stewards, of staying awake and watching and anticipating and looking for the life, death, resurrection, ascension, empowerment, and return of Christ in this city and in this country is drawing to a close. You see, the, the cool thing about this passage, this, this parable to end it, is that when, you, when you're thinking about the return of Christ, some people, they sell everything, they go to a mountaintop and just wait and hang out, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You are to be about the task that I gave you in that place, for that place, in those moments, because I'm coming. Unless he comes in the next 48 hours or two weeks or whatever it is for you. Our season of stewardship and investment and work here is finished. How did we do? Were we distracted by the small things, the things that corrupt, will fall down and be destroyed, that aren't stable, that cannot be trusted? Is that what we invested our life and poured it into? We were always anxious and worried about the things in front of us rather than right now in Jesus Christ and anticipating His return right now? How did we do? Because He's taking us to a new place. Maybe your home country, maybe another assignment, I don't know what it is. But the task and the purpose and the scope and the perspective has got to be exactly the same. Just wherever you go. And that's my challenge and encouragement to us as we go. We go abiding in Christ, looking for Christ in this moment. And let those other things, entrust those things to Him. Okay, you can be seated, thank you. Everybody else, I'm guessing you're staying. Could you stand up? This is Philippians chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He's that close. So what? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. You know, living here in this country, my plans and desires were usually frustrated. The great thing about this country is you cannot control it. 
And we should praise God for that. Thank God because it's an environment that God uses to reveal our own hearts to ourselves. Don't be anxious, please. You see, my time is done here. Those that are sitting, our time is done here. We're finished. And the Lord someday will say, you were faithful, you weren't. I'm going to help you move into faithfulness as you go forward. But your opportunity and your time and your presence to abide in Christ and anticipate his return is for this place in these moments. And there's a lot that is going to threaten that perspective. There's a lot that's going to challenge it and shake it, test it. And it's all for the purpose of of slapping you in the face so that you wake up to realize, I need to be on guard, I need to stay awake and anticipate his return. And may you experience his grace and peace and power to do that. Because we talked about the broken body and blood of Christ where our sins were given to him completely. But there's one more piece of that that we don't talk about a lot, is his righteousness was given to us. If you've never made that exchange, there'll be some of us in the front after to talk about that. If you have made that exchange, the very person of Christ is in you to live out all of that.